program. I'm Chris Oldcorn. First up today, we have a conservative MP from British Columbia who decided to tweet out earlier today a rather insensitive tweet, shall we say. Um, basically, he said, and this is what the tweet actually says, most deaths are in care homes where average life expectancy is two years and 65% usually pass in the first, th first year. Time to start moving Canada back to work. Basically, this conservative MP wants everybody to get back to work because most of the people that are dying are just in the long-term care homes and they're going to die anyways in the next two years. So who cares? We should just get our economy moving. Kind of insensitive. Um, for example, my Nana has lived in the same nursing home, sorry, retirement home, for 15 years. 15 years, okay? There, obviously, there is a difference in terms of care between a retirement home and a nursing home, but she gets the most care she could possibly get in a retirement home before being moved to a nursing home. She's been there 15 years. To say that those people just don't matter and that it, who cares if they're dying, the rest of us should just get back to work and start moving around again. Well, here's something he doesn't understand, apparently, and that is that those people in that nursing home, they worked and paid taxes. They paid for your education. They paid for your health care. Those people worked, and now you're tossing them away at the end of their life and saying, well, they're going to die anyway, so who cares? The rest of us should just be working, and that's how it's supposed to be. Well, he quickly deleted that tweet, probably after the complete, let's call it crap storm, that he created by saying that, and now the tweet is gone. However, his office is not responding to any uh, media requests that people are putting in, other than uh, he supports our frontline workers, which is nice. Uh, that still has nothing to do with the seniors that he uh, decided to toss away and say it doesn't matter if they die. Yes, it is true that disproportionately speaking, the elderly are dying, people over the age of 70. However, that if the rest of society starts moving around again, we're going to start passing it around. People are going to go visit their uh, family members at nursing homes and put more COVID-19 cases into those homes just by us moving around more. Uh, also, another interesting thing. I've been talking about this a lot. I, I mentioned this uh, a couple weeks ago with regards to prisons uh, and that there could be massive prison outbreaks because it's very, it's almost impossible to social distance in prisons. Well, we're seeing our first massive outbreak in one prison. It's in BC. 35 of the inmates have tested positive. There's only 216 possible inmates that can fit in that jail. And we have that many who are now sick. Uh, and it's doubled just in the last few days. On top of that, um, five of the employees at the prison have also tested positive for COVID-19. And they've now, they're testing 54 more. Um, now, six of those have come back negative. They're still waiting for the results for the other ones. Now, jails and prisons, um, the difference is a jail is where you're in for a couple days and a prison is where you're in for a longer period of time. Um, the, the people there are in close proximity. Some have uh, issues with, re with regards to their immune systems. Not everybody that walks into a jail is, you know, the picture of uh, perfect health. So it's causing issues uh, across Canada. Now, uh, fortunately, we haven't had the massive outbreaks like we've seen in the states, like at Rikers Island and Cook Jail and so on. However, um, in our federal jails, which is different from the jail I just mentioned in BC, uh, we have 76 inmates who have tested positive so far, but we are waiting for over 200 tests to come back. Uh, 
with regards to uh, cases. And also, we have seen it double. Uh, on April the 8th, there was 42 cases. Now there's 76 on April the 13th. So in a matter of five days, it's almost doubled. Now, in Ontario, we have looked at our prison population, and we've been releasing uh, the low-risk uh, members of the prison uh, to come out and go back into the community. Uh, and so far, we've actually released about 2,000 prisoners here in Ontario since the beginning of the COVID-19 outbreak, uh, trying to minimize the spread of COVID-19 and spread people out more in our prison systems to prevent an outbreak. Also, Donald Trump seems to think that he is the king of America. Unfortunately, he's not king of America. Uh, he wants the states to reopen immediately upon his divine decree from on high in Washington, D.C. However, the problem with that is, is that it's not his choice. Interestingly enough, uh, he said it was the governor's choices to shut their states down, which they, all governors have now done that. And he's also now saying that, oh, it's not the governors get to reopen it. He gets to reopen it. He's the ultimate person. Well, unfortunately, that is not true. That's not even close to being true. Um, and so the governors are actually the ones who can choose when to open their states again. Some of the governors have, uh, in regional areas of the U.S., said that they will open things slowly and simultaneously. So, for example, uh, all of the states on the West Coast are going to open certain parts of their economy all at the same time, as opposed to, you know, California doing it this day and Washington State doing it this day. They're going to work together. And the governors have had to work together because the federal government in the U.S., under Donald Trump, has not exactly been the greatest partner with them. Unless you get up and praise Donald Trump as being the best thing ever, uh, your state's been basically getting no help. Um, the states will open when they choose to. Uh, they also have control not only of when businesses open, but the they, states also have control of the education system. Uh, so if a state says we're canceling the rest of the school year, there's nothing the federal government can do to prevent that because uh, education is done at the state and the local level. Uh, it has nothing really to do with the federal government, for example. We'll be right back after the break. Hello and welcome back. We now have the numbers today for the Algoma District in terms of COVID-19 cases. So here we go. We have now tested 918 people. We still only have 10 positive tests so far in Algoma, uh, and we're waiting for 115 results right now. Uh, now, the provincial government has said, Doug Ford said, that by Wednesday, tomorrow, we're going to be doing 8,000 tests a day. Uh, the, the amount of tests we're waiting for, the pending ones, uh, has actually gone down from yesterday to today, so uh, they must have increased their testing yesterday in, in terms of capacity. Uh, they're supposed to be, again, increasing today, and tomorrow they're supposed to be doing 8,000 tests a day. We do have the capacity to do 13,000 tests a day. However, we've not been able to get anywhere near that number so far. Now, I want to talk to you about the economy and a couple things about it. Uh, I'm going to use the example of the United Kingdom right now because uh, we just got numbers on, on how their economy is being affected by COVID-19. They have taken very similar measures to what we have done here in Canada. So their economy is, is projected to be 35% smaller from April until June. Uh, and this is from the Office uh, for Budget Responsibility. Uh, they're basically the ones who take the government's uh, 
financial numbers and then come out with, okay, is the, what's the GDP? Is it going up and down? What's the uh, debt to GDP ratios and other things like that that are important uh, when you're trying to figure out the health of an economy? So they're looking at the drop of 35% for this year. To put that into perspective, that's a $273 billion drop um, in the amount of money that the government's going to bring in, meaning that their deficit will go up $273 billion this year uh, that will be added on to their total debt. That is a massive amount of money. To put that into perspective, that's about $342 million, sorry, billion dollar deficit in Canada to put it into comparison terms. Um, this is the biggest deficit they've ever run since World War II. Um, the economy, though, based on those numbers, um, is actually going to bounce back uh, fairly robustly in the UK. They expect most sectors to recover to somewhat where they were prior to the COVID-19. Uh, the one sector that's getting hit the most, though, is hotels and travel. Uh, and I'm going to talk about the hotel industry now here in Canada. Hotels have seen a massive drop in their business. Uh, not just slightly, but like huge. So, for example, the, ho the hotel occupancy rate, which is, you know, how many room, what percentage of the rooms in your hotel are taken up, uh, is sitting at 13%. Uh, that's a 79% decrease year over year. So that is huge. Um, and also the way ho hotels um, look at how profitable they are or how much money they're generating, it's called uh, revenue per available room. That is the indicator of profitability for hotels. Now, it's down 85% since last year. So right now, hotels are, are averaging making $13.42 per night on a hotel room. That's an 85% drop, that's huge. Um, and the luxury and upscale hotels are the ones that are getting the most hard hit. So for example, luxury hotels um, in the first week of April had an occupancy rate of 2.5%. The entire industry had a 13% occupancy rate and luxury had 2.5. And the reason for that is that business travel has dried up and so have group bookings. Uh, a lot of conferences happen at luxury hotels. Um, the other thing to look at too is um, how many jobs are in the hotel industry and it's about 200,000 people who've lost their jobs so far who work directly for hotels and another 100,000 who work uh, in food services somehow connected to a hotel. Uh, most hotels that have restaurants in them, uh, the hotel doesn't own the restaurant. It's, it's usually an outside company. Uh, and that's why those numbers are different. So it's about 300,000 people in total who have lost their jobs because of COVID-19 in the hotel industry. So that's the people who take care of the rooms, uh, the people you meet at the front desk, marketing and, and the management and so on. And then you also have all the people who uh, work in the restaurants at hotels who have also lost jobs. Now, Toronto was one of the hardest cities hit. Its occupancy rate is actually down at 8.6%. Um, we don't really know what the numbers are here locally because uh, nothing has been released uh, in terms of how our hotels are doing here in the Sioux and the Algoma region. Um, also, now, Andrew Scheer, yes, one of my favorite politicians of all time. Uh, that was being sarcastic. Uh, he decided to, this past Saturday, was uh, they came back to, to vote on the emergency wage subsidy. Uh, and Scheer was in Saskatchewan with his family. 
He was supposed to be picked up on a private jet with Elizabeth May and a liberal MP and himself to fly back to Ottawa for that vote. Well, he decided to bring his whole family with him. Uh, you're going to see on screen a picture of the jet. Every single person on that, every single seat on that jet was filled with a person. It was filled with Elizabeth May, a Liberal MP, Andrew Scheer, and his family. It was impossible to social distance on that plane. The only person that wore a mask on that plane was Elizabeth May. They were in close contact. They flew from Saskatchewan all the way to Ottawa on that plane. It's a nine-seater. Uh, because Andrew Scheer didn't want to not have his family with him at Easter. I talked the other day about don't travel with your family or travel to see your family on Easter because you can help spread the virus. And what? The Conservative Party leader then does it? Come on. I can't believe this actually happened. It's ridiculous. Uh, anyways, I'll be right back in a moment. <laughs> Thank you for watching the Chris Oldcorn Show. I'm Chris Oldcorn. Please follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Chris Oldcorn. You can also listen to this show as a podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other podcasting platforms. We've just been added to tune in. I'll see you tomorrow morning on Special Report at 8 a.m. Have a fantastic evening. Good night.